Hello and welcome to another episode of Rightfully So with Bill, Jeanette, and Carrie. In this week's episode, we're going to be talking about uh, research or finding your project muse. Uh, this is a this is a, a a challenging topic, like many of our topics, right? I mean, think writing in general is a thing that's often difficult to discuss, right? Uh, it's something that's easy to do, but it's hard to sort of explain. Uh, and I feel like research is one of those things that um, can be easy to sort of describe in the general, like, oh, research is, you know, going to the library and getting resources and using the information to support your argument. But it can be much more difficult to explain in terms of when do you do research, what are the different types of research, how do you find sources. Um, and so that's what we're going to try and tackle in this particular episode is, is sort of breaking it down, looking at it as a process, um, looking at the different stages of research and how it can, how, how it can help your your um, your drafting of an essay, developing ideas, and all of that good stuff. Um, so, so I think to start, I think one of the common sort of challenges that students face when they're doing research is is when when are they going to do their research? Um, I feel like some students are sort of in the habit of they want to write their whole paper and then sort of like research the things that sort of mimic what they say. Um, some students are really good about doing research up front, but then they fall into the the trap of either confirmation bias and or they just sort of regurgitate the ideas that they've read. Um, they haven't fully sort of like processed the information, synth synthesized it with their own ideas, and they kind of wind up with like this patchwork quilt of an essay, which is them writing really catchy transition phrases between quoted material, right? Um, and they go, what? I did the research and I have all the sources. And I'm like, yeah, but these ideas largely aren't yours. Um, they're, they're borrowed information. And in some circles, that's even considered plagiarism to a certain degree, where your whole essay is just sort of quoted material. Um, in, 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 our, in, in our minds, or what, in your opinions, um, what, what should the research process look like to sort of avoid some of those pitfalls? Bill, you mentioned um, the sort of regurgitation of just facts right like some reports and I, I think we talked about this and I can't remember which of when it was but it's the idea that with college research you are doing more complex tasks or you know thinking with what you're reading right like so um the way, you know, and I know Carrie does this as well, you know, there's, there's different stages of research and what you're looking for in the beginning is different. The goal is different than later on in the process. So she and I call it different things, but for me, it's background research. Like you just need to know everything that you can, <laughs> like within reason, obviously, but like get to know your issue um, your topic, your whatever, you know, like to even get to the point where you can form a complex question, research question. Um, and so that takes some time where it's okay to go to Wikipedia and Google and to, you know, look at things that are easy to read just so you understand. And Bill, I know you talk about conversation, right? Like, so this is, this is what you need even to enter the conversation, right? Like you have to understand what's already being said, and it doesn't have to be scholarly, it doesn't have to be academic, that comes later, right? Like, so it, I think it, what I've seen sometimes happen is like that step is skipped, right? Like, so it's like when you were talking about confirmation bias and like just sort of wanting to find research that fits what they think they're gonna find, 
Um, whereas it should be reversed. It's sort of like, let you find out what's already out there and then jump in because it's always easier. And this is the thing about research and I'm kind of jumping ahead, but you know, I, I'm remembering it now. It's like, I've, someone told me this once and I, it was so smart that I was like, I do tell students this. It's always easier to form a thesis statement based on the research you have than trying to smash <laughs> research, like, or try to find research that fits this like idea or this claim that you've already formed. It's like, it sounds really simple, but it happens all the time where you're like, okay, I'm trying to prove this thesis statement, but it, it really doesn't work like that. You kind of have to see what's, what's there. Yeah. And, and kind of on that point too, because I, I also describe it as, I call it preliminary research, but the idea is, is that you want to, it's, it's part of brainstorming really. So, so what I often encourage students to do is, you know, um, you know, they'll often start with a topic, especially if you're going to have, you know, some sort of larger, you know, argumentative essay. And Bill, you talked about, you know, a student just saying, okay, immigration, right? It's like, there's a lot of talking points when it comes to that subject. So the beginning research is actually more about narrowing your topic, narrowing your subject. Um, and that's where you're going to find the more advanced sources once you've kind of selected what, what subtopic that you're actually really focusing on because let's be honest you can't you can't really talk about you know immigration for a four to five page paper or something like that so so it's a matter of narrowing your your discussion and so you start off with the broad you start off with wikipedia you start off with just general knowledge and common knowledge and then it's about narrowing down to a specific point and saying what are common subtopics that are discussed whenever this is brought up and you know they might say immigration okay well then let's talk about this and this and this and this you know and they see all of the reasoning for pro and con or you know whatever their their subject is that they're looking at and once they look at those little individual topics then that's where the more of the focus comes in and that's where more of that in-depth research really comes in so it's i try to encourage them to think about research in the beginning as more about narrowing your your perspective narrowing your argument and your thesis finding that thesis or finding your voice in that discussion with a more narrowed subject, really. Yeah, that's kind of how I've been presenting it to, to my students as well. In fact, I was just looking at um, the, the slide presentation I have for like my research lecture. Um, and I, and step three is background research in, in parentheses discovery, right? So this idea of, of, in, you need to choose a topic and then you need to go learn more about that topic. Um, even if you think you're a subject matter expert in that topic, um, you there, there's probably more to know and probably more to discover. And then I sort of add on to that. I'm like, and if you don't know what you want to say, you may discover that something that you want to respond to. Um, there may be some aspect of that academic discussion that you either strongly agree with or maybe strongly disagree with. And, and strongly disagreeing is actually way more interesting. Um, if there's some piece of, you know, uh, uh, research out there that you're like, I don't know that I actually agree with that. Um, that can lead to a really interesting paper. Right. And then it really sort of like fuels your, your research. Um, so yeah, I have that background research as, you know, learn more about your topic. And then the next step is formulate a thesis or your research question based on what you discovered and then begin your focused research, right? Which is starting to collect evidence. And then after that is like writing a draft. So in other words, you've done tons of research before you've actually even started writing anything really. 
Um, I, I have a tendency to put the cart before the horse a little bit that I ask students to sort of develop a, a thesis statement or a research question before they actually start doing any kind of research. Um, but it gives me an opportunity to help narrow their focus. Cause like, like you, like we mentioned before, you know, student comes to me and goes, I want to write about immigration. I'm like, fantastic. What about it? <laughs> like spit, spit, well, the pros and cons. I'm like, okay, now we're going to have to, we're getting there. Okay. Baby steps. Um, you know, are we going to talk about like economic? Are we going to talk about cultural? Are we going to talk about like amnesty? Are we going to talk about, you know, what's specifically about pros and cons? Um, how are these things interrelated? Um, you know, post-World War II, immigration was sort of a hot button and, and the U.S. basically immigrated Germany's brain trust so we could win the space race. So that was a really beneficial example of immigration. Um, uh, the railroads what you know, economic development through immigration there we brought all of these um people from china over and they built our railroads <laughs> same with the irish you know we brought them over and you know like our whole industrial revolution was fueled by immigration so i'm like there's one way to look at it but then we've got more contemporary concerns about like amnesty and refugees and, and a bunch of nimbies you know not in my backyard type people who who don't see the social cultural and economic benefits of having people from other countries come here so I'm like, we need to figure out which part of that conversation you want to have because your essay is only 15 to 18 pages. It's not long enough, man. <laughs> we have to be very specific. Um, so that research question became a great way to have a conversation with a student about like, what specifically do you want to talk about? Um, and then you can go do some more background research to figure out, well, what are the prevailing opinions about this particular concept? Uh, and then, then they can sort of revise their draft, their thesis statement, or they can revise their research question, which is something else I've been repeating a lot in the classroom. This, this thesis statement is not your last one and it's not final. It's going to evolve. It's going to change. It's going to get revised. And if it doesn't, then this is a rare case where you are able to luck into finding research that supports your already existing thesis. Um, but as Jeanette said, that's pretty rare mostly what happens is you come up with the perfect argument and then bang your head against a brick wall trying to find evidence that doesn't necessarily exist <laughs> because it's 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 your your opinion um and, and and it's specific to you so it's gonna be hard to find um resource material out there that supports that so that's background research so the, the next part of the process then is is focused research and, and i see students sort of trip up here as well with with using the available resources to find the information that that they're looking for or they think that they're looking for um so that that collecting of evidence that focused research um what what, what have you seen in the classroom with regards to that are students generally having an okay time with it or are they you know sort of you know stumbling blocks as with the the background research or students trying to substitute background research for focused research. I see that sometimes, like, what are, what are you seeing? So sometimes it is like more background. Um, and so it just means the student needs to get through that. And I think part of the issue, and this occurred to me when you were just talking through um, like narrowing and um, broadening, and it is this dance, right? Like with research where, and it's and topic specific, right? Like, so this is where it's difficult and why it's a struggle when you teach composition, it's like, okay, well, it's going to be a little different for this topic here versus this other one, but um, students are often surprised when they get to academic or scholarly research and it's super specific. 
Um, and so they're expecting, you know, well, it's really long and <laughs> detailed and, you know, whatever, you know, and it's, so it's like, um, it, it, I, I find that there is sometimes this perception that if they keep their topic really broad, they're going to actually have more to talk about and it's going to be easier to get there, you know, but what they discover is that they do actually need it to be narrowed down and specific because, the, you know, academic researchers don't research on that broad level. They, you know, like, so um, for example, you know, you, so immigration is one, the Bible is another, right? Like you wouldn't be able to write one essay on the Bible because there's a whole class on that. Um, so, you know what I mean? Like, so sometimes it's a conversation of like, wait, you have a whole class. You need like an essay that, you know, like, so it's sometimes just knowing and that's where we come in as instructors, where we can kind of like help with that, like where it's like, okay, no, actually that's too big, or maybe that's too specific because that's only gonna, you know, you're gonna only get through a paragraph or a page with that, like, and there's more that needs to be done. So it is this sort of like back and forth and you, until you know your background, you can't really get to even that next stage of the, the research, like the, that shift to the evidence research, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think, I think too, it's important for them to keep in mind that we're not asking them to regurgitate the information that they find from those sources. We're asking them to contribute new perspectives to that. And I like to always compare it to, um, or I often give this analogy. It's not an umbrella analogy though. Sorry guys. <laughs> Mary, Carrie Poppins and her umbrellas are not happening. Um, but the whole idea is, as I tell them, like, you know, imagine that your friends are having a conversation about how bad traffic was and you walk in and you kind of hear some of them talking about, oh man, I was on the 15 and there was such a bad accident and it took me this long to get here. And then someone else says, oh man, I was on the 78. There was an accident there too. You don't go, oh yeah, I heard about an accident on the 78. I think you just said it. Uh, but yeah, you don't just repeat the stories that your friends just told. You come in and say, I tried to take, you know, side streets and here was, you know, the traffic situation there. So you bring something new to the table. You're not just, you know, repeating exactly what these other sources are saying. And I think that's, that's kind of the threshold that they need to overcome. Um, and I also think that that's something, again, that we've talked about before that takes practice, you know, because <laughs> in the beginning, when you're starting research, when you're starting to learn how to write about those sources, yeah, there is some of that because it still feels a little clunky, you know, and, and so it's something that over time you start to go, okay, here's how I insert something new reflecting on what the source just said. Um, and I think that that's kind of an important thing for them to keep in mind when they are conducting that research. Don't look for things that will speak for you. Look for things that you can comment on, right? Yeah, and I, I, that's why I like to use the, the conversation analogy because that feels a little bit more natural, right? Rather than oh, I'm going to read and then respond to right um, this this existing piece of text, I'm like, no. It's like imagine you know a couple of like you said, like a, a couple of friends having a conversation. Like imagine these researchers having a conversation and they're talking about you know they're economists and they're having these arguments over the pros versus the cons of 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 um, immigrant labor and and you know is it really taking away American jobs and in that debate and you're like well you know i can interject with my experience like maybe your parents were uh immigrants maybe they worked menial jobs but now they're able to send you to college you know it's 
you know, they contribute to society. It's not necessarily a lose-lose situation. Um, so, and, and, and that's where they sort of like need to get right. Um, and then, and then really like the, the quoted material that goes into your essay is, is a way to sort of signpost for your reader where you enter the conversation. What do you agree with? What do you disagree? What was happening that? Because you have to assume your reader wasn't part of that conversation. They weren't in the room when you're doing your research, right? You are, you're taking these notes, you're having the conversation and they're just kind of like transcribing it in a way. Here's what this guy said, but I don't agree with him because of X, Y, and Z. And then, you know, this researcher over here said this, and I totally agree with him, mostly because we both disagree with researcher A, right? So yay, me and researcher B. Um, and I feel like that would make for like a more dynamic paper when you start thinking about it that way, as opposed to, well, these guys are the experts. I don't know any better. So I'm just going to like copy paste what they said and be like, ditto what this guy said he's really smart he's got a whole bunch of letters after his name i'm just gonna be like yeah that's cool what he said um and, and and i don't know i guess we get back to sort of like having you know the experience uh number one and number two the confidence as a writer to to sort of take that position and say you know my opinion has has merit and and i sh i'm contributing in a, in a meaningful way to this existing conversation i think what you were saying too you were talking about like, this is where you come in, where you're entering the conversation. So that's part of why I really emphasize background research, right? Like, because you don't want to repeat yourself, you wouldn't in a conversation, right? Like, so you kind of have to hang out and see what's out there first, right? You know, and then part of where sometimes student writers are like, but I, you know, I'm not, I'm just quoting things and paraphrasing things. It's not me. Um, so even beyond just giving your opinion or thinking like critiquing things or agreeing with it um the the writers there in the organization of the ideas right like so you're putting together you've read all this information and you're the one who's putting it in an order and setting it up for me the reader you know so that i can understand this conversation right like where you came in what it is how, you know, like how this works. And so that's, even though it doesn't feel like sometimes, you, you know, it's you, it's like, that's where you are. And that that is a big task with research writing, right? Like this idea of like taking all these, like sometimes like 20 sources, right? Like, or however many, um, you know, and trying to make them flow together, right? Like, and so I'm getting into a whole other subject now, but um, <laughs> that's basically what, what it made me think of. Yeah, that's the challenge, right? Is getting all those different things to work together, all of those different conversations and finding a way for all of those different ideas to work in concert. Um, you know, having that research paper that's 15 pages and you've got 12 sources. And it's like, and that's the other thing I guess we haven't really touched on it, but which is like, it's a sort of like the critical mass of research. Um, sometimes students want to find like three sources and then quote the hell out of those three sources, right? You know, every paragraph, they're just like pulling something out and they're going to use it from one of these three sources as opposed to like, buffet style i'm gonna have a little bit of this i'm gonna have a little bit of that i'm gonna have a little bit of this and i'm not even sure how to explain that like other than to sort of allude to the fact that take what you need and leave the rest but don't feel like you have to sort of exhaust this particular source if there's one page out of 20 in that source that you feel is valuable to your argument then then keep that one page and then forget about the rest go research something else go get another source um 
but I feel like students get like, they get the minimum three to five sources or whatever the prompt requires. And then they just find a way to sort of like pick those bones clean. And unfortunately the result sometimes is that the paragraphs that they write don't make a lot of sense because they're trying to like sort of put, you know, square pegs in around holes. Um, we only have a couple of minutes left at this point. Um, so I feel before we segue too far into incorporating research into your writing, which really wasn't the primary focus to today's discussion, uh, are there any um, go backs or, or sort of like saved thoughts on, on research? Um, I will say that, that when it comes to the stage where you get to the advanced research, that's the part where, you know, the, the broad Google searches are not going to be beneficial for you. And that's one of the reasons why we, we try to encourage students so much. And we emphasize so much those library databases and doing that kind of research, because those sources will go really in depth on very narrowed specific points that you can use in your essay. And sure, it's harder to, you know, read through a denser, you know, a discussion or denser article versus the broad, you know, kind of here are 15 great things to know about immigration versus, you know, like, so it, it, it can be harder to, or maybe take longer to go through that process. Um, but at the same time, that's also why the librarians are there to help, you know, they are experts in research. So that, you know, when you go to them and say, I'm writing a paper about this, they go, okay, cool. You know, let's sit down and we'll find you some sources in the databases. So, so the advanced part shouldn't necessarily be too intimidating especially when you have those resources there for you, the librarians. So I just want to kind of give a shout out to librarians, shout out uh, you know, for, for that. That's literally their job. You know, they don't just put books back on shelves. <laughs> so use them, uh, you know, and, and go to them because that's, that's, and really that's what makes them truly happy. That's what they want to do. <laughs> it's funny you say that because keywords are so important. I mean, that makes or breaks your advanced search, right? Like, so uh, and sometimes I will even like students will come to me and be like, what word should I use? And I'm like, go to the library. And <laughs> I don't know how they have categorized everything, right? Like there's a, usually a particular way that um, things are set up in the databases and they know, right? Like they, that they, as you said, Carrie, they are the experts. And so it's like, absolutely. Like you, and, and they've even told me they're, they're like, usually if you're not finding what you need, it's about keywords. I mean, secondarily, the database you're looking in, but generally it is keywords. So yeah, agree. Yeah. And speaking of keywords, my last little tidbit here is um, if you start finding sources that work for you, make a note of the keywords and like meta tags that that source uses and add those to your bucket because um, they're going to help you sort of widen the net a little bit. And then you'll be able to start finding more of like sort of like very similarly phrased type sources or of similar ideas or, you know, within the topic. So if you're only finding one or two, that might be a way to sort of like start building and finding three or five or 10. Um, and, and it's really iterative. I, I think that's the, the, the main takeaway too, is it's going to take a little bit of time and it's an iterative process, meaning you have to do it over and over and over again and make slight variations each time to, to get different results. Because uh, remember, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. Okay, that's going to do it for this week's episode of Rightfully So. We hope we have um, eased your anxieties about research or um, at least given you some insight as to uh, you know, the process itself and recognizing that there's different stages to it and that it's a repeatable and um, 
it's a repeatable process uh, and, and you're going to have to take your time with it. Uh, so now that you know all about research, now it's time to get out there and write something. <laughs>